When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. A little shorter version today uh, for you is Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I talk about the David Njoku news as he goes on the reserve COVID-19 list, how him missing the game or potentially missing the game on Sunday could affect the Browns and what they want to do offensively against the Baltimore Ravens. Then we try and answer the question, who is the best team in the AFC North? So that's what's coming up for you today. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you really should be. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information. Get yourself signed up to get that daily newsletter. Become one of our text subscribers and get access to those exclusive stories at Cleveland.com slash Browns. Again, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get your info, get signed up. And hey, you can even give it as a gift if uh, you got somebody in your family or friends, whoever who would want to be a Football Insider subscriber. All right, here we go. Our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. And here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. Let's just start with the news of the day. Kind of unexpected. These things always are. David Njoku going on the reserve COVID-19 list. Although it was interesting, Stephen Carlson went on the list uh, on Monday. He's on injured reserve, but he's in, around the facility. Um, we've, we've seen him kind of sitting outside eating lunch and that stuff. So he's around. Uh, so now, I guess not real surprising that another tight end went on the list, but it's David Njoku. And Mary Kay, we'll just start here. Production aside, Njoku is very important to this team because they don't have Harrison Bryant. They love to run 13 personnel. This kind of changes what they want to do on Sunday, I would think. It really does. I think is this is pretty big. I mean, David Njoku is a very, very big part of their game plan. And as you mentioned, Harrison Bryan is out with a high ankle sprain. And they were already trying to figure out how they were going to replace him. And could they still do enough of the 13 personnel that they quite often like to use? Uh, so now uh, they're going to have to be scrambling to figure out how to run. 12 personnel, right? So, uh, yeah, so this is going to be really interesting uh, to see what they do. But Dave Njoku, as you mentioned, nobody's been wildly productive in terms like in terms of having like humongous breakout games. Uh, but Dave Njoku is third in receptions, tied for uh, first on the team with three touchdown catches and is number one in receiving yards with over 400 this season. And he is a big part of the game plan, especially uh, in this game when you know that these guys are challenged in their secondary with Marlon Humphrey being out. Uh, You know, David is one of those guys that he can hit that big explosive play when he's on. So I definitely think this is a big deal. Yeah, Ashley, I mean, you know, sometimes I, you know, I don't know if I call it trolling or whatever. I I joke about David and Joku's production, but he is kind of the one guy on this team that has had some big games. You know, he had a huge game against L.A., he does have that capability to hit big plays. He's become a, a good blocker. And again, that 13 personnel, it's just sort of the identity of this football team. 
yeah, I mean, they run it just about more than any other team in the league, I think. So I guess it's another wrench thrown into this offense that obviously given recent offensive production, they didn't need that, uh, especially coming out after the bye week. And like Mary Kay said, without Harrison Bryant too, potentially, I mean, that's, that's a unit that's taken a lot of hits in recent weeks. And we obviously know that the passing game hasn't been what anyone envisioned, uh, what this team wants it to be. So without a guy who, like you said, Dan, has had some big games there, it definitely hurts. Yeah, and just looking at the snap counts, you know, Hooper has played more snaps than him, but not by much. You know, he's played the second most among the tight ends. Among skill players, uh, he's it's actually Hooper and then Wills as far as you're receiving. I'm, I'm sorry, Hooper and um, Hooper and Njoku uh, among kind of your your receiving your receiving threats who have played the most snaps. So again, you just count on this guy so much. And Mary Kay, the whole narrative kind of leading into this game is the Browns were moving in the right direction health-wise. Obviously, they lost Jack Conklin for the year. That hurts a lot. And that's part of this, too, that we should probably talk about. But they were moving in the right direction health-wise. And unfortunately, this is just kind of a a blow going the other way. Yeah, when you think about it, uh, they headed into the last game against the Ravens with Harrison Bryant, David Njoku and Jack Conklin, three either key players or starters, including a two-time All-Pro right tackle. Now, uh, they probably won't have any of those guys for this game. We know Jack's out, Harrison's out, and David Njoku, uh, it's going to be tough to get back. I think that I'm calling it a long shot. Uh, Now, TJ Watt last week, uh, he went on the list on a Monday, and he was activated by Saturday. But when you go on the list on a Tuesday – it's tough to get those two negative tests in a row and be activated. Now, we're not going to rule it out. Maybe he'll get a Christmas miracle and he will be back on that field. But they have to plan uh, for the inevitability that he might not be there. And, uh, and therefore, uh, like you said, they were trending towards being one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. And now they kind of have to hope that nobody else tests positive uh, for COVID. Because remember, I was thinking about this. They were coming off of their bye week. When you come off your bye week right now with so much going on in terms of the Omicron variant and whatnot, I was thinking about this. I was very, uh, very curious to see how many guys would test positive. I think they have to brace themselves and hope nobody else does. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point, you know, Ashley. I mean, I, I don't think this thing is going to sweep through the building like we saw last year. But, you know, just as an example, Nick Chubb and Demetri Felton went on the list on a Tuesday. And, you know, we were all kind of still holding out hope probably through that Friday that Chubb would be able to go. But Kevin ruled him out on that Friday before the game after he went on the list. So it is, it is going to be a really difficult turnaround to get Njoku on the field. And if anybody, if anybody tests positive, moving forward based on, I don't know what the cadence is going to be at this point. You know, you're, you're really going to have some issues. Yeah. And, you know, too, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago because they had also just had Thanksgiving and that's like pretty much automatic enhanced protocols after a holiday like that. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there could be other shoes to drop, so to speak, when you're talking about guys traveling and doing that sort of thing. But um, it'll be interesting to see because, like Mary Kay was saying, we're kind of to the point in the week already. It's still early in the week, but there's not a lot of time given the rules in terms of when they have to get those negative tests and when they can be activated. So what does this offense look like then? 
What, what is Kevin Stefanski and his coaching staff? This is one of the good things, at least it's Tuesday. So they're just sitting in the building, getting ready for Baltimore anyway. And they, they don't have a lot to get ready for. They just play Baltimore. So what does this offense look like to you, Mary Kay? Are we going to finally see that offense? I know you've kind of been clamoring for, you know, more wide receivers, a little more wide open. Are we just going to see Andy Janovich and Johnny Stanton a lot more? How, how is this going to change? Well, you know what? There are a lot of different ways that they could go with this. Uh, I think one of the things uh, that we're going to see more of, and we've talked a lot about this, is you'll see more Kareem Hunt. And I think that you can even use Kareem Hunt in some ways uh, that you might use a tight end. You know, you can use him uh, to block and do some different things and to stay in and to help your challenge tackles, especially uh, perhaps your challenged right tackle situation. Uh, so I think you'll see him come in very much handy for this game. And as you mentioned, you know, you can uh, use Andy Janovich in some ways uh, creatively and also Johnny Stanton. You can bring uh, Johnny Stanton up and, and try to use him uh, in, in those ways too. Uh, in terms of the, the wideouts, I mean, I guess it would make sense to, to possibly use three wides a little bit more here and there, but it doesn't feel like that at this time of year. I mean, it feels very much like a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt game. And I think that they're just going to try to plow ahead with that, even though the Ravens are very good at stopping the run. I think this time they're going to try to stick with the run and keep it viable. And um, yeah, it's it. I, I don't know how they're going to overcome the loss of, of these tight ends, especially again, like I said, when you have to give your tackles some help. Uh, but I think it, it's going to involve using uh, some combination of your fullbacks and, and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Ashley, how are you approaching this? Well, if you're giving me the job title, <laughs> you get to be Kevin coach. Stefanski. Yeah, I'm, if I'm if I'm Kevin Stefanski, what would I do? Um, we should pray that that never happens. But you know, I do think we talk about Kareem Hunt every week these last couple of weeks and how important he is, and we didn't really see him get involved in the pass game last time against the Ravens. And I know that's something he talked about that he was ready for that kind of itching to get back to that when it does happen, when we talked to him on Monday. Um, so I think that is a key part and, you know, we've alluded to it already, but with the issues at tackle too, um, I do think you need to find a solution for that blocking, especially like it's really hard to replace Jack Conklin in game. Now you've got some issues with your tight ends who are some pretty good blockers on this team. Um, and Jed Wills hasn't been himself. So I think that's also going to be key is uh, what they do to kind of make up for some of that this week. You know, it, I mean, it's funny, Mary Kay, the, the area where they might miss Najoku most, especially with Brian out is how are you going to help out whoever's at right tackle? We don't know if it's going to be Blake Hance, if it's going to be, you know, James Hudson or, or some wild card. How are you going to help that guy out? It's, it's important. It's important because, uh, you know, that kind of wrecked the game, I thought, in some ways for the Browns in the first meeting. Uh, Tyus Bowser uh, kept, kept getting great pressure. Uh, you know, they really took advantage of that. And even though they don't have all the defensive players that they have had in the past, they have enough. Uh, and they used some very creative blitz packages and they got there and they created that kind of pressure to the point where, if you recall, of course, on the, the screen pass attempt uh, to Kareem, 
Baker was hearing the footsteps before the player even arrived and just lost control of the football and fumbled away. And that was such a key play in the game. So, you know, they're going to try to do that again. They're going to take advantage off those edges as much as they possibly can. And as I mentioned before, Calais Campbell is back this game. And even though they lost Marlon Humphrey, which leaves them down three of their original starting defensive backs in this football game, it helps them that they have Calais Campbell back. That helps them a lot because if they can hem in Baker Mayfield, Calais Campbell is six foot eight. He can get his hands up on some passes as we have seen him do before. Uh, so I think these are some of the things that the Ravens are thinking is that they're going to take advantage of, of those challenged tackles. And that's where they're going to try to make their hay. And no matter how bad you are in the back end, if you can mess up Baker Mayfield from the front end, like they did last time, uh, then it will be hard for him to get the ball down the field. Even if you've got, you know, an Anthony Schwartz running a go route, if he's back or whatever the case may be, or if you've got Donovan Peoples Jones beating his man, uh, you know, it, it's going to be tough to get the ball there if you don't have time to do it. Uh, so I think that that's going to be such a key part of this football game. Yeah. I mean, when watching that game a couple weeks ago, Ashley, I didn't look at it and think, boy, the Ravens DBs played great. It, it was, yeah. it was that pressure. It was making Baker uncomfortable. It was chasing him out of the pocket, not letting the Browns run the football. And we saw them play the Steelers differently because I think they respected big Ben a little more and they respect, frankly, they respected the weapons a little more too. So one of these receivers is going to have to make a play to, to loosen up this, this Ravens front because they're probably just going to come out and try and at least see if doing the same thing again works. Yeah. You know, and as Mary Kay was saying that it's like, yeah, that's exactly what they did. They <laughs> did last time and it essentially worked. So they're probably going to try it again until uh, the Browns, I guess, make them play more honest in that regard. And um, I know Dan, you tweeted out that screen grab from the last drive of the game again, where we talked about they had 10 guys up on the line of scrimmage <laughs> because they just, they feel like they can do that, that that's the state of this Browns offense, uh, at least the last time out, uh, that they could get away with doing that and make up for some of those issues they've had with their defensive back so far this year. So, um, you know, I think about the play that Donovan Peoples-Jones, where he had that drop like inside the 10 and um, obviously it's on my mind since I just wrote that big story on him, but that's like the one drop he's had all year. Obviously uh, I think Barry Kay is the one who's mentioned that he's, you know, maybe not looked like himself as much fighting through that groin injury. And um, I think that's probably pretty accurate. So he's especially him and Kareem Hunt, I think are the two guys coming off of the bye week with more of that soft tissue stuff that I'm curious to see how they're going to look and uh, looking to them as guys who could potentially make some big plays who maybe didn't get that opportunity last time or weren't feeling 100% like Donovan fighting through there on that drive. Uh, maybe he'll, he'll be able to get some more separation and we'll see maybe Kareem for more snaps this week now that we're two weeks removed from that first game. So Mary Kay, you, you alluded to this a little bit, the, the Nick Chubb-Kareem Hunt game. And there's, there's different ways you can get Kareem the ball, obviously, you can get both the ball. And, and I don't expect the Browns to come out and be the Patriots from Monday Night Football. But it, I guess as I'm watching that game Monday night, I'm wondering if there is a lesson there for the Browns. And, and maybe now with this Njoku news even more. And I'm not saying you have to only throw the ball three times, but is there a lesson there to maybe say, hey, maybe you don't get the running game going right away. Maybe the Ravens are stacking the box, but 
maybe you should at least just keep trying, you know, kind of keep pounding the football, control the clock, keep Lamar Jackson on the sideline. I know he's been struggling, but he's still like the one guy that can make that one play to beat you. Is there something to maybe thinking like that a little bit? I think so. I think so. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it, it may have been uh, sort of helpful for the Browns to, to be able to watch that, that Monday night game and really see how something like that can be done uh, to get their uh, the, the wheels in motion for trying something uh, similar where you just, you know, continue to pound away at it like that, even when it seems like uh, it, it's not viable and it's not working for you. I think it's going to work better this game, especially because of uh, Kareem Hunt being way healthier. Now, the reason why it might not work as we've mentioned before, is because, uh, you know, you're, you don't have your two, you know, best performances that you wanted to have from those tackle spots. But for the most part, uh, you still should be able to run the football. Uh, you should be able to get that done. You should be able to accomplish that, uh, especially if, um, once again, if they, if they change those guys up in the right way. And we've mentioned this before, uh, you can also use Dearness Johnson. So if you've got those three guys, you should be able to run the football and you've got Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio. Uh, you're just going to have to keep uh, grinding away at it. Now where they do also make their hay, the Ravens is on third down. They're just phenomenal on third down. Although the Steelers uh, got to them a little bit more on third down than, um, than the Browns did uh, in the game before. And that most teams have been uh, because they're just so good on third down. And that's, that's the area where the Browns are going to have to, somehow find a way to stay on the field because like you said they've got to keep Lamar off the field I mean these guys are going to be mad about what happened they know that the what's at stake in this game uh, Lamar is you know angry at himself that you know he had the game that he had against the Browns in the first meeting and uh, and these guys are, are going to come in here with everything on the line just the same way that the Browns have but what would you think, Ashley, if the game Sunday looked, and again, not it, not to the extreme that the Patriots went, because obviously a lot of that had to do with the weather. But if it, I don't know, let, let's say the Browns had a 60-40 run pass ratio. Yeah, I mean, I think they, given the state of the offense currently, and obviously we won't fully know what changes they made at the bye week in terms of like looking at the playbook and things like that. Um, I think it's never a bad thing when they run more. But the one thing I do worry about just a little bit with the line is the way the Ravens defense played them two weeks ago. Like it seemed to neutralize a lot of the pooling that Joel Betonio and Wyatt Teller can do. So I'm curious to see like what the Browns responses to that. If there's anything you can kind of do uh, to get those guys playing in that comfort zone a little bit more that makes things a little bit easier for a guy like Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. But I think certainly given the state of this offense, everything we know about them right now, some of these injuries, the tight end issue, it can't hurt to run the ball more. I think if you got Nick Chubb out there. Okay. So there we go. David Njoku on the reserve COVID-19 list. I'm going to throw this question at the two of you before we go. And it's one Mary Kay that I threw, I think at you and Scott, I think it was Scott on that podcast a few weeks ago, but as we head into this Baltimore game and neither of you were prepared for this. And frankly, neither was I, cause I kind of just thought of it. I wanted to ask like one more thing before we left um, here. This is a little bit of a, a shorter pod today, but. Um, right now, who is the best team in the AFC North? It's, it's a, you know what, 
It is a, it's a great question. It is an is absolutely it? great, great question. Is there even an answer? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there is an answer. I mean, I think it's one of those situations where if you asked, you know, 10 different people, you, you're going to get a bunch of different answers because, uh, you know, look at what's going on right now. Uh, the Ravens look so shaky. They look so shaky. Uh, the Steelers defense, when the Steelers defense is healthy, that is a formidable defense. I have been saying that uh, since the offseason. When you've got TJ Watt out there and Cam Hayward, and then you bring in uh, some of your other healthier guys uh, when they're feeling good, you got Minka Fitzpatrick, you got, you got Joe Hayden. You know, that, that's a darn good defense, and you can make some things happen when you have a defense like that. Uh, so they've got that. Now you've got Joe Burrow with a broken finger, I believe it is. I think it's, I think it's dislocated. Okay, but that's not going to help matters at all uh, for them. And so they've been streaky. They've been streaky. You never really know which team is going to show up there. And who knows who is showing up? What team, what Cleveland Browns team is going to show up on Sunday? Who are, who's coming back from the bye week? Is it going to be uh, the team that actually does have somewhat of an explosive offense that, you know, that we saw down the stretch last year? I mean, there's still most of the key players involved. Uh, I don't know. You can make a case for any one of them. You can make a case for any one of them. Uh, I, I don't know if I can actually answer that, but I will say this the Cleveland Browns would be right there in the mix as a team that you could honestly say that they are the best team in the AFC North right now. Yeah. It's almost like define best. Like, like it's so hard. And it's almost like when we had that whole discussion last week about what game are you most worried about? You can legitimately make an argument, I think for any of these teams, but um, if you watched the Ravens Steelers game on Sunday, the one thing that I thought was interesting, they went through all these graphics of it's crazy. The Ravens have the record they do because like they've given up more touchdowns than they've scored. And like, it was just like stat after stat where you're like, this team, it doesn't make sense. Like the Browns should beat them. It doesn't really make sense why they have the record that they've had. Like they've maybe gotten lucky in some instances where the Browns have been unlucky themselves. And um, obviously I think the Steelers aren't, as bad as their record says they are currently. And obviously uh, we all know my feelings about that Monday night game uh, coming up here in January and how I think that could potentially be very dangerous for the Browns. But yeah, I don't know if there is a best team. I mean, this division is just nutty this year. I mean, it, it, it's so unpredictable just in about every way possible. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess the point is like, it's still so wide open and the, the Browns are like the one team I can't make an on field, like from if we were, if this were like the college football playoff and we had to like, look at the resume to this point, I, the Browns are the one team I probably couldn't make an on field case for, but I can make as good an on paper case for them as any of these teams. Um, like Pittsburgh is just so inconsistent and Cincinnati is still like, it seems like they had a chance to seize control of this, but then they're still Cincinnati, you, you know, Jamar Chase, basically takes a perfect throw and just hands it to the TV, you know, for an interception, like things like that happen to them. It's just so difficult to get a read on this division. And I guess the reason I wanted to ask it is there's not really a team you can make a convincing case for. And that's why I guess Browns fans, if the Browns can figure this thing out and rally should still have some hope here over these last five. Like, I think, 
their unpredictability has been, we've talked about it so much in as it being a liability. And I do think it is, meaning the Browns, like you really don't know. I, I still feel like when they take the field each week, I don't know what team we're going to see. Um, but in the same way, I think that unpredictability can help them down the stretch of this tight division race, because I think, like we were saying, the rest of this division is just as unpredictable right now. And uh, like Mary Kay said, the other thing with the Bengals is Joe Burrow now, who knows with, with his hand and how he's going to look. So um, it just keeps getting more and more interesting. I think it comes down to the question can almost come down to uh, the quarterback situation as it so often does. Right. I mean, I think if Baker Mayfield came out of this bye week and somehow, uh, you know, got his moxie back and and was the player that, you know, that we have seen before the good version of Baker Mayfield, uh, then I think the Browns would be right up there uh, in the thick of it with man health and health wise and everything they could, you know, you can make a case that they are the, the best team in the AFC North right now. And, but it's going to come down to what Baker Mayfield is able to do. And, and I think that's the whole key. Okay, it'll be an interesting finish to this thing uh, for sure. All right, that'll do it for our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, back, uh, got to watch the tape coming up for Thursday. Back with our predictions pod on Friday, and then back doing post game pods after whatever happens Sunday against Baltimore, which should be incredibly interesting. Uh, so I'm sure we'll have a, a good post game show for you then. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your pods, and make sure you're a Football Insider subscribers. Well, Cleveland.com/slash Browns the blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. I'll talk to you later.